Good morning. Welcome to Taproot. Uh, my name is Callie, and I will be reading the word this morning. When I finish reading, I will hopefully say this is the word of the Lord. I forget every time. <laughs> Wave your hands if I forget this time. And as a church, we will prayerfully respond. Speak, Lord, your servants here. We're in Proverbs 9 this morning. It should be on the screen. You can follow along or open your Bibles and follow along with me. Proverbs 9, verse 1. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beast. She has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer, or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man, and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be still wiser. Teach a righteous man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. The woman folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by, who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. But he who does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. This is the word of the Lord. Your servant's here. You may be seated and I'll pray. God, thank you so much for your word, um, that your word alone is wisdom. Thank you uh, for these past um, few months where we've been studying your way of wisdom and spending time in the Proverbs. I just thank you so much for your goodness in what you've shown us and how you've been good in guiding and leading our church throughout the summer. I pray that you go before Will this morning, um, that you would give him peace, that he would speak your words, and that our hearts would be open and receptive to what you have for us, that we would continue to hunger for and grow in your wise ways. Thank you for your love. In your name, amen. Amen. Thank you, Callie. Um, you may have noticed that uh, Callie was reading out of the ESV, and then we, for some reason, had the verses and the slides set to the message. So it was a little off a little bit. So that's okay. We got two versions, two for the price of one, right? That's a good deal. Last time I checked, I like that. So uh, just so you know, if you're a little confused, that's what was happening. But uh, it's all the word of the Lord. Um, the message is a beautiful translation. It says things like, get a kick in the shins, which I kind of like that. That helps me out a little bit, visualize things. But, uh, well, good morning. Uh, my name's Will. I'm one of the pastors here at Tapper Church, and I get the opportunity to preach this morning. Uh, I just want to say thank you to the music team for this morning. And Leanne, thank you so much for being uh, open and honest this morning. I don't know, uh, when Leanne started worship, uh, our music worship this morning, she mentioned just that this has been a hard week. And, uh, and I agree, it's been kind of a hard week. And I just want to be real honest with you. Maybe someone in here, maybe many of you are coming in a little weary, a little little bruised, a little bean this morning, and I just want to encourage you. I just want to uh, encourage you. I listened to something that was really helpful. This is, this is extra, by the way. I'm giving you a little something extra this morning. Uh, uh, this is something really good. It's usually, we're either under attack by things we don't quite understand, like spiritual forces or the enemy, and uh, God's Word makes it clear that in those moments when we're under attack and we're believing lies and such, 
that uh, we stand firm and he will see us through. Amen? And if for some reason we're in a trial that the Lord is allowing, it's because he wants to grow and mature us. And so we're called to grow up in those moments. So it's one of two things. We either need to learn to stand firm and know that he's gonna meet us there or we get to grow up and he meets us there as well and he just wants to mature us. So I just wanna encourage you if you're going through a moment this morning, you're coming in with a little bit of heavy burden. Uh, that's some words I need to hear and uh, I just felt the Holy Spirit just speaking to me this morning that uh, that needed to be shared this morning. So praise be to God, right? Amen. Um, all right, so I'm excited because we get this opportunity this morning to finalize our whole sermon series we've been doing over the summer out of the book of Proverbs. And I have just absolutely loved this time that we've been spending together. I titled this sermon, The Epilogue of Wisdom, uh, mostly because I started out the sermon series calling it the preamble of wisdom. Because of, So this is a nice little bookend for us, okay? So it's very clear, this is, we're coming to the end of this little series on Proverbs through the first nine chapters of it. And I'm excited because it sets us up so well. And it sets us up to move into the rest of the collection of the Proverbs. It sets us up to, to understand how we can uh, work through and think through and process what the Proverbs has for us and what its goal is in teaching us this thing called wisdom and how we get there through this thing called the fear of the Lord. And so today, I'm really excited to look at these two uh, feasts that are laid out before us. But before we get there, I wanna say just a, a few thank yous uh, as this series has gone on. Uh, first, I wanna say thank you to, uh, this summer I've had, I've had a bunch of partners in, in the preaching ministry with me. I've had a bunch of other guys get up here and preach God's word. And so I wanna start out by saying thank you to each of you who have helped out this summer. It's been really, really awesome. I don't know about you, Taproot, but I really love getting to hear all the different voices, the different perspectives, the different versions of teaching to see what God is able to share through different people. And so for those of you that have gotten up, uh, I want to say thank you. I want to say, say thank you to our brothers over at Twin Falls Community Church. Uh, Aaron and Joshua got up and preached this summer, and it was so good to worship with another uh, group of believers. They could come and minister to us by sharing God's word and proclaiming it well. Here at Taproot, we, we view this opportunity to preach God's words as essential, as so important, that we get up and every week we hear the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And this summer we have heard that over and over and over again. And so much of that is because of the hard work that a bunch of different guys have been putting into this. And so I just want to say thank you. Um, the other thing I want to say thank you is to Taproot Church. I want to say thank you to you guys. Uh, this has been kind of new for me. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm the number, if you don't know very well, Mike Littleton's been on sabbatical this summer. He's kind of like, he's the front runner guy. He's the, the lead sort of guy. He's equal, but he's lead, right? He kind of points the way. He, I'm like a good number two. I like to go up and like clean up his messes and make everything nice for him. And like, that's, my, that's what I like to do. I kind of like to try to be a little more backgroundy and stuff like that. And so uh, I've gotten this opportunity over the summer to kind of be the point person for this whole sermon series and for uh, just, just working with with the elders here in Taproot Church. And I just want to say, you all have made it very enjoyable. It's been a joy. It's been a, such a joy to see the responses and hear the responses of God's people to the, his word through Proverbs this summer. Uh, there's been people that have confessed sin this summer and repented of it. Amen, right? Like there's responses to God's word. There's been people that have heard the gospel and they've been responding to the gospel. There's been people that have been making it their goal to choose wisdom over folly. And I've heard that coming up in conversation over conversation over conversation. People that are desiring Jesus above the junk that this world has to offer. 
And that's you, Taproot, like you're doing a great job responding to God's word, hearing the gospel, and making much of who he is in your lives. And I'm so thankful for that. And as a pastor, it just, this is what I'm in the gig for. Like, it's, this is why God has called me to this, is to find the joy in seeing you all respond so amazingly to God's words. So let's keep it up. Amen? Um, I want to lastly just say thank you to our Lord, God. And just in that, just that uh, is kind of going back on the last point, but his Holy Spirit has been at work here. He has. His Holy Spirit has been at work in the lives and the hearts of people here in Taproot Church. And I've had the opportunity, I get to be privy to conversations and what's going on in people's life because a lot of you all share it with me and I love that. But as such, I've seen growth. I've seen maturity. I've, I've seen confession of sins and repentance. I've seen a desire for people to know the Lord more. And that's because his Holy Spirit loves us and is with us and is transforming us from one degree of glory to the next. And that's all to his glory. Can I get one more amen? amen. And then I wanted to say thank you to the Lord for his word, right? Like in Proverbs, we've covered so many things. Uh, we, like, isn't it so cool that just in eight chapters in our giant books called the Bible, there's been so much to glean from, so much to take part in, just, just wonderful, beautiful meals to feast on and enjoy because we've talked about greed, we've talked about finances, we've talked about relationships, all sorts of them. We've talked about father-son relationships, mother-daughter relationships, we talked about uh, intimate relationships, we didn't talk about marriage, we talked about uh, sluggards, we've talked about being lazy, we've talked about all sorts of things have come up over the summer just pointing us towards like God's truth and how we should go, that he's given us this opportunity through his son Jesus to choose wisdom. And then as such that we've, we've just gleaned so much from his word, just out of these eight wonderful chapters so far. And so here we are, we come to the epilogue of wisdom, this last chapter, which is uh, this, this really cool ending that the royal father has kind of laid out and set before the sons uh, that he's been teaching through this whole series of lectures. And he ends it with this. He ends it with this, this ending where he, he just lays out these two parallel feasts that are before us. And then there's this weird part in the middle, but we'll get there in a little bit because it totally, it's so important to get to that middle part. But there's these two feasts before us. And we, we look at them and it just kind of just leaves us there, right? Just kind of describes these for us and then goes and move into the rest of the Proverbs. And it, just, and it can feel kind of disjointed for us. But we can sit here and really understand that the Royal Father is setting up for us an understanding that we're kind of in this, have you heard of this, these kinds of books, the choose your own adventure books? I just heard a lot of yeses. Y'all read a lot more choose your own adventure than I do. And that's great. Good for you. Uh, I, my memory of like the choose your own adventure book are like, I think it was like Goosebumps came out with a series of them. Do you guys remember Goosebumps? Yeah. Those like, those like sort of almost scary tales, but like they ended and it was, all, it was always kind of like Scooby-Doo where it's like, oh, old man Withers was wearing a mask, you know? And it, like, it never was like real, like, like scary, but I thought it was going to be scary. Well, I remember as a kid, I remember I would like read these books and like it was, you know, if you've not read a Choose Your Own Adventure, it's like you, you get through the first like introduction, the first couple chapters, sort of they set up the story arc for you and they kind of, they pave the way. And then you get to a page in the book where it's like, all right, you get a choice. You can either go up the stairs and explore the attic, or you can open the closet door that's making some weird noises. 
And it's like, if you want to go up the stairs, turn to page 65. But if you want to go open that closet door, then turn to page 18. And you're like, all right, I'll go, I'll I'll open eight, I'll, I'll open the closet door. I'll open it. I'll see what's in there. And then you die. At least that was my experience. Every time, I just died every time. I never, I never got to the end of one of those books because every ending was like, you died. Um, that's my experience. Uh, and, and so what, what, we, what we see here is the royal father has sort of, sort of like set this up. This like, all right, there's two feasts. Which page are you gonna turn to? Our problem is not whether we do turn to a page, but it really like what we need to work through through all of this is to help us understand what page we do turn to in different areas of our life. That's so much the reason why that middle section's in there, and we'll get there. But that's really the thing we're gonna work through today is asking ourselves the question, which feasts do we find ourselves at, and how do we know how we've gotten there? And then understanding that through Jesus alone, we get to joyfully choose the wise feast and go there every single time through obedience, through a desire to trust in our Savior. And so I've got three points for us today. Um, what I want to do is I want to work through these um, uh, the way they are in the book. And so before I do that, I want to set a couple things up. This is uh, this type of literature in Proverbs uh, is something we would call uh, ancient Hebrew meditation poetry. It's kind of a heavy sentence there, but ancient meaning long time ago, different context, different culture, different worldview, right? Uh, Hebrew, so it would have been that style of poetic uh, writing, and, um, and, it, and it would have been meditation. And so the idea here is that it's ancient Hebrew meditation poetry, and which is so different than any form of poetry or art or things that we have in our understanding of our Western American mindsets that we have. It's just so different than that. And so that's one of the reasons why when we read this, you might be a little like jarred when the royal father starts with a really cool feast and then ends with a really not so awesome feast, right? It kind of feels weird. It makes us go like, why would, they, why would that happen? It's because the, the ancient Hebrew mindset was just so different than ours. Uh, they would always front load all of the information as the most important. So when you're reading a lot of Psalms and Proverbs and things like that, it's like the really important stuff usually shows up first and then it sort of tapers off towards the end. That's just how their mind went. It just told them to understand and think that way as, as far as those things go. We're completely opposite. Like, uh, Hollywood has completely shifted our mindset to where, like, we, we, like, put all the super, super meaty stuff at the big climax towards the end of the plot. So that way it's this big, like, whoa, that's how the superheroes are going to save the day. I thought it was all ruined, you know? And so that's where we have the climax and the falling action is such a big deal towards the end. We just think so much differently. So we have to kind of put on our meditative, ancient mindset in this version of poetry to understand how this goes. That said, um, I thought about switching this up and moving around, but we're not. We're going to work through it just the same way um, that they would have worked through it and the way they would have thought about it. Another thing, too, is in their poetry, because it's meditative, it's designed to be read frontwards and backwards and frontwards and back. Like the idea here is that middle section is really a hinge that helps us kind of like, it helps us look and understand the whole of this chapter. And so, so what we're looking at is we're looking at these two juxtaposed feasts, these two feasts that are parallel to each other that look differently. And the middle portion kind of helps us interact with what we're reading and what we're trying to meditate on. But we'll get all into that as we go, okay? Um, and a couple of things before we jump in here too. Um, 
I'm just going to let the cat out of the bag. Probably going to be encouraging us all to go to Wisdom's Feast, all right? Were you all ready for that? Was that a big shocker, right? Like, I'm probably, I'm, at the end of the day, I, I hope you came in here and you, you're, like, you're like, oh, he's probably going to tell me to go to the, the feast that Wisdom has set up. That probably makes sense, right? Um, that said, we need to address the, the fact that we don't choose that feast, right? Like, what's the deal? Because we don't. So what's the deal there, right? And this goes back, and I just want to piggyback on some of what Spencer said last week. Spencer did a really good job. He talked about how just knowing something and understanding it is not enough. But that for some reason, we come to these kinds of situations, and we need to know we come with histories. We don't just come as fresh, blank pieces of paper to these decisions. We come with histories. We come with baggage. We come with wounds. We come with scars. We come with struggles. We come with hurts. We come with, with uh, rejection and pain and loss. We come with failure on our part. We come to these situations knowing that we have not always chosen wisdom. We come with band-aids and we come with surgeries that are usually self-done, that are botched, right? We come to this situation with histories, okay? We also come to these situations with this, with this thing called original sin. So that we inherited from Adam and Eve a proclivity towards sin, a, a, a heart that will choose on its own rebellious, a, a rebellious nature against and away from God. And so as such, that's why this is so complicated and more complicated than just knowing, yeah, I want to choose the good thing. Because when we all accept our experiences, we understand that so often we don't, for some reason, choose the right thing. And, and that's the reason why, is because we come in with some histories of ways that we've tried to fix it on our own, and we also have this thing in us that just sets us up where we have a proclivity or a bent towards a sinful nature. But through Jesus, we are offered this thing called grace. Amen? Grace allows us this free, unearned gift to choose wisdom to choose God, to choose Jesus above anything else. And we can do so now through Jesus and not only be able to do so, but we get to do so joyfully because he has set us free, Christians. And so I wanna hold this in our minds that, that to or left to our own devices, yes, we will go to Folly's Feast over and over and over and over again. But through the person and work of Jesus Christ and the grace that is offered freely from his good sacrifice for us, that he took on our sinful debt in our place so that we might live life and live it to the abundance that God called us to, it called the flourishing life, we get that opportunity and it only comes through Jesus Christ. And now we get to do so joyfully. And so as we look at these invitations, we just kind of take stock of them this morning. I just want to encourage us that yes, we come in with histories. Yes, we have this bent towards sinful behavior. But alone through Jesus Christ, we have the option to take the, the invitation to wisdom's feast. All right? So here we go. Let's dig in a little bit. Um, so my first point is wisdom's invitation. I want to just look at the word here, and I want, to, I want to see what's the reason the royal father is having us kind of juxtapose these two feasts, and we'll look at them, okay? So uh, first off, I want to read this section again. It says that wisdom has built her house. She has hewn her seven pillars. She has slaughtered her beasts, and she has mixed her wine. She has also set her table. 
She has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in the town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of my wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. Isn't that a nice invitation? Um, I always feel weird talking about Harry Potter up here, but you know, it's like we're always wanting that invitation to Hogwarts, you know? Like anyone in here with me, they wanted that invitation to Hogwarts? Yeah, I did too. Yep, absolutely. Um, this is what I think of here is like this beautiful invitation that we've been hand-delivered, but we have to remember we got, we got invitations to both parties. We're popular these days, you know? <laughs> We're, we're, we got invited to both parties, so we'll get to that other one later. But here's Wisdom's invitation to us. Is, uh, she starts out by saying that she has built this great house. Um, <clears throat> that, uh, that there's this great house, it's built, uh, which, and, and she built it, which I think is really awesome, and she has hewn her seven pillars. And then we also can recognize that she finds herself in the highest places in town, in the highest place, and that's all significant. Um, so there's a couple things here. Uh, first of all, we can see in Lady Wisdom's description of her, her setup is that she not only uh, works hard, but she also is prepared. So those are two things that we can just see from this, of, of her offer and her invitation, what she has set up for us. She built her house. She hewn it out of seven pillars. Like she has seven pillars, which that has significance. Um, and so we see this act of, work, of working hard. And then later we see that she has also set her table, that she is prepared. Uh, she's ready, which we're gonna see is very different when it comes down to Lady, Lady Folly. So what is the royal father pointing us to here? Like what is it that he's trying to end and capitalize on as he ends his, his lecture series here? Uh, because we have a Western American mindset, we probably don't see it super clearly, but it would have been very clear to the readers in ancient times who had like a Hebrew mindset that this house that's being built has a ton of significance. It represents the temple of Yahweh, Solomon's temple that he would have built as the dwelling place of the Lord. That's, what, that's the imagery we have here. We see it on a high place. So this is just like a little nugget. Anytime you're reading the Old Testament and the New Testament, uh, when you see something that, that alludes you to the high places, it's always talking about a dwelling place where the Lord is or where a deity is. So they would build the temple on the highest place in the city. It would go on the highest place. And that was just very, very common. So when the Bible talks about high places, it's talking about a dwelling place for a deity. Now, in this section, we're talking about wisdom's uh, uh, structure that she has built, and she built it with how many pillars? Seven pillars. Seven is a significant number because seven represents completion or perfection. And uh, who gets the title of completion of perfection? Yahweh, the Lord, right? And so this is all pointing us to understand that what is being, like where the feast is located, the, the directions and the address of the feast is the temple, is the dwelling place of the Lord. That's where we go to gain access to this awesome feast we're being invited to. Isn't that cool? And so um, we're also gonna see that Lady Folly is hanging out in high places too. So that's the thing is in, these, in any city, a high place was a place where you would either construct an altar to a, a false god or a false deity, um, or it was the place where Solomon's temple was placed. And so it was always a significant place of the dwelling place of a deity, okay? And we, I just want us to really take stock that there is hard work and preparation here. The idea being is that 
those who choose to go to wisdom's feast, they're going to go to the right location to take part in that feast. They're going to go to the Lord in his teaching, to a place where he is to gain understanding and understand how to live rightly so that we can live the flourishing life set out for us by the Lord. Now, see, here's what I want to do for us, though. So I want to remind us of where is the temple now? So we get kind of confused sometimes. We think the temple is like places like this. Like we're in this really beautiful room and I think this is awesome. You know, it's really the stained glass, the dome. I love it. I love that we get to sit here and worship on Sunday mornings and gather together. But this place is not the temple, right? The te- like we are now called the dwelling place of the Lord. Those of us who put our trust in the person of Jesus Christ are now indwelled with what's called the Holy Spirit and his spirit lives in us right now, today. We are now that place. So, so that's, that's a beautiful picture. Do you see the picture? It's a picture of discipleship. The thing Jesus has called us to in Matthew 28 when he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. How we do that is people need to go to the place where wisdom is and guess where the place where wisdom is? It's where the Lord is. And where is the Lord? He's in the people of his followers. And so that's why we come here and we gather together and someone gets up here and preaches out of God's word and says the gospel to you all to equip all of you so that all of you are gaining wisdom and therefore we're going out and we're working hard and we're making a preparation so that other people can gain wisdom, so that other people can gain wisdom. And that's just a picture of discipleship. That's where wisdom is happening is through teachers and preachers and disciplers and servants of the Lord who are going out and they're meeting up with people at coffee shops. That's a place where someone is going to the temple and gaining wisdom on how to follow the Lord, right? It's when people go to dinner at someone's house and they have them over and they ask them questions about who they are in Christ. And they say, how are you doing? Let me pray for you. Let me point you towards the gospel. Let me tell you the truth of the gospel. That's a place where hard work and preparation are being laid where discipleship is happening. It's you guys being disciplers of other people. You're spreading the good news of his wisdom in people's lives. And that's, that's the goal here. It can't just be like one or three people up who stand up here every once in a while who are doing all that work. This should be us encouraging you all and equipping you all so that you all are going out and making disciples. That's this work here that's being pointed out here is as they had to go to one place, Jesus has freed us up to be in all places, spreading the good news and discipling one another. Isn't that a cool picture? And like the way that Jesus has really opened that up and here's the thing, you can't have someone follow you where you have not gone. And that's why what we, we say we exist to know Jesus and to make him known. And that's why it's in that order, because you have to know the beauty of the king before you can ever help someone else know the beauty of the king. You yourself have to be transformed and have a renewed mind and be a spiritual sacrifice before you can ever help someone else be that. But dang it, like you were invited Let's go to the feast. Like, let's get together. Let's disciple one another. Let's encourage one another. Let's point each other towards the gospel over and over and over again for the sake of becoming wise and getting to live the wise life. You with me? I'm excited. This this is like, it excites me, right? That like, we get this opportunity to end this by being like discipleship and I'm all for it. Let's go. Let's disciple one another. Okay, Um, let's move on. So uh, she has slaughtered her beasts and has mixed her wine, and she has set her table. So here we see this, this picture of she has taken the fattened cow, and she has slaughtered it, and she's had a butcher come out, 
and take care of that thing. And all the best cuts are here. All the, like, I mean, all of it. It's just this, like, giant feast. And that's the idea here is, like, you would only go and slaughter an animal for a feast when it was a big deal. And it's just showing us not only the quality, but the potency, because then it starts talking about this mixed wine. And so when she's mixing the wine, she's not watering it down. No, no, she's taking that top shelf vino and she's adding some wonderful stuff to it. Isn't that awesome? There's like picture like of, of she's not only taking and putting out this beautiful spread of meats and you can imagine more. The meat was just like the highlight, right? Let's go. I'm okay with that. But, uh, but then she's providing like the best beverages for this feast, the, the potent kind, the, the, the really wonderful kind. Now, I'm not encouraging you all by any means to go out and get sloshed from here, but I'm just saying that she is just giving a quality feast that represents one that is worth our time and our, and our presence, okay? And so it is quality and it is potent. And like, we get that, right? We've been in Proverbs 1 through 9 for this whole summer. And so what we need to understand is that it has been rich and full of wonderful quality and potent learning, okay? Because his word is can be mined over and over and over, and we will never get to the extent of how wonderful this word is for us. You with me? It is so good. It is so much more. It is so much better. It, it's, it's knowing that when we go to that, we are going to be full. We are going to be stuffed, okay? And I want to make the point too. So it says that she has sent out her young women to call from the highest places in town. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. To him who lacks sense, she says, come, eat of my bread and drink of my wine that I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and live and walk in the ways of insight. So I want to make this point too, that anyone can come to this party. Anyone's invited. This is the one area where the two ladies agree, Lady Wisdom and Lady Folly. They both invite everybody. But I just want to make it really clear that anyone is invited to this feast. I always get bummed out by the, the joke in the comedy show where someone can't like enter the church building because of their raw past. You know, they're like, oh, I'll, I'll burn that place down because I've been too bad or too wicked or whatever. And I'm always so bummed by that joke, you know? Because just like, that's exactly who this building needs to be filled with, right? Because that's every single one of us, man. If it came down to like how sinful we were, would burn this place down, this place would have been burned down a long time ago. Are you with me? Right? Like, like, we're all invited to this place. We're all invited to the feast. We're all invited to what Jesus has to offer. Those meats and that mixed wine is ours for the taking. Here's the thing, though. She makes some pretty awesome promises about this wonderful feast, about that meat and that mixed wine. Like, she makes some wonderful promises. The thing that we can know is that Lady Wisdom's promises come true. Lady Folly is going to make some, what looks like some similar promises, but they're all lies. Okay, And lastly, just a recognition that wisdom's feast leads to life, okay? And then that last verse, it just says, leave your simple ways and live and walk in the way of insight. So this idea that, that it is life that we are called to. Um, we've been calling it this. We've been calling it the flourishing life. So it's more than just this ticket to heaven concept, but no, no, as Christ followers, we're called to something more. We're called to live a life now that is transformed by the personal work of Jesus because that life is so much greater and so much better. And so we are called not only to know that like we get to spend eternity with our Savior, but that we get to begin that process right now. We don't have to wait till that, that day when Jesus comes back or we die. 
Um, we get to do that now. So let's, let's go. Let's go to this feast now, okay? I just want to uh, go to another place where there's a feast explained that uh, is parallel with this. And, um, and I just imagine that the readers would have been thinking of this as well. Uh, it gives us a really cool picture of how great the Lord is in his salvation. But it's in Isaiah chapter 25. And I'm just going to read verses six through nine. Um, I have it on the screen too. So it says, on this mountain, the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples. What is that? It's the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever. And the Lord will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his peoples he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. It, is, uh, it will be said on that day, behold, this is our God. We have waited for him that he might save us. This is the Lord. We have waited for him. Let us be glad and rejoice in this salvation. Like that is what we are offered in this invitation to this feast. Salvation, a full, rich, flourishing life. And it's made accessible by the person and work of Jesus above all things, okay? So I want to get to that middle section. So my second point is called scoffers beware. And that's only just because I couldn't think of a better name for that point. I don't like it, I'll be honest, but you can put it in your notes, maybe it'll help you. But um, that middle section, is, it feels really disjointed. I'm gonna read it really quick, but I, I'm really excited to, to point this out. It says, whoever corrects a scoffer gets himself abuse, and he who reproves a wicked man incurs injury. Do not reprove a scoffer or he will hate you. Reprove a wise man and he will love you. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the Holy One is insight. For by me your days will be multiplied, and years be added to your life. If you are wise, you are wise for yourself. If you scoff, you alone will bear it. So in this choose-your-own-adventure we're on, we have to ask ourselves the question, which feast do we go to? Which feast are we at? And we need to understand how to understand where we got ourselves. And the best way to do that is to be able to read something like this and look at this beautiful example that's given to us of, of like what might be considered like a typical proverb and work this out in our own lives. So here's, here's what I want to say. This is not here necessarily or primarily to help us understand who we should or should not give feedback to. Because at first glance, that's kind of what it feels like. If we just read those first two verses in this section, it feels like it's like, okay, so if there's a scoffer in my life, I have, there's probably no point in telling them that they're dumb, right? They're wrong. That's a better way of saying that. People aren't dumb, guys. Come on. But, um, but uh, no, no, no. It's, so I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't do that. But if I have a wise person in my life, then I can go up to them and tell them all sorts of things. And they'll go like, oh yeah, thank you. I love you. Thank you. Like that's, that's all well and true and that's there, but really so much of this is to stop us and have us sit down and really think through this and ask ourselves this question. When someone gives me feedback or corrects me, what is my go-to action or behavior coming out of this? 
And that might sting a little bit more because it's really easy to think about our Facebook friends and start going like, oh, that guy's a scoffer and they're a scoffer and that person's a scoffer. It's a little harder to sit here and go like, when my wife corrects me on something, do I look more like the scoffer that's being explained here or do I look a little bit more like this wise person? And I'll be real honest with you. This struck me to the core as I was working on this dang sermon because like the last couple weeks, I have absolutely been the scoffer. And I know many times in my marriage, I have absolutely been the scoffer. And I know many times at work, I have been the scoffer. And I know many times in my friendships, I have been the scoffer. I had to really look at this and go, dang, I'm the scoffer. I'm the jerk here. I'm the one who has a hard time taking correction sometimes. I'm the one who will become angry or frustrated or uh, shameful or all sorts of other uh, like unfortunate emotions because I have to ask myself, I, I don't always love correction. I instead look at it like it's abuse and then I'll get mad and indignant back. I've been that person who is, who's given over abuse. And so, so it helps me to recognize that I'm putting my fear in something besides the Lord. I'm putting my fear in this idol that I've crafted that's called self. And I've built up this version of will in my head and what I think everyone else should have that will is untouchable. So you dare come up and tell him he's wrong and you're, you need to bow down before this idol that I built that is will. And that's what I've done. But, but Jesus is calling me back. He's, he's saying, Will, look at this. And look at this. Like, you don't want to go that way because that person, they're left to themselves. They're, they're on their own to bear it. But man, those who can knock over that dumb idol of will, the self, who's built up that how dare somebody correct him, if I can quit leaning on that and I can put my focus and my worship in our Lord God and know that what he calls me, what my my identity is because of him, that can transform me and help me to be the type of person that when someone corrects me, I can know that that's an act of love. And I don't have to get offended I don't have to get hurt. I don't have to feel like I need to lash out and become angry. I can then go find myself at a wonderful feast where wisdom is at, where Jesus is hanging out and he's calling me to a better life because I can learn humility, right? That beautiful gift of humility, of patience, of kindness, of self-control. Unlike that's fruits of the spirit. Like that's the fruit of God's work in me coming out through learning how to cast off my idols that I've been worshiping and to instead turn to something called the fear of the Lord where I go and I make him the one that is the object of my worship. And we get to do that with all sorts of things. This is just one example of that. And notice how similar these verses feel to the rest of Proverbs, Right? Like, he, like if you, we start going through the rest of Proverbs, it feels very much like this conversation about a scoffer. What's cool is scoffer should strike us to the heart because I'm sure all of us have a scoffer in us somewhere, right? All of us have got opportunities where we can recognize, wow, I, I've gone to the Feast of Folly. I've gone to Folly's Feast. I'm sitting there. I'm taking part in what she calls stolen water and uh, secret bread, whatever that is, right? And... And I've, I've, I'm there, and it's recognizing I need to get up from this table. I need to leave this house. I need to repent of my selfish desire to worship something other than the Lord, 
And I need to pour all my worship back into my Savior who has rescued me, my Lord who is inviting me to a much better feast. Isn't that cool? So imagine reading this frontwards and backwards and frontwards and backwards. And as we're thinking through and we're meditating on this, it's really this opportunity to introspectively ask ourselves, where am I at? And so as we read the rest of Proverbs 10 through 31, it's an opportunity to read verses and ask ourselves, where am I at here? Where's my heart? Does my behavior help me understand that I'm at follies table or is my behavior help me understand, yes, I'm at wisdom table and how much is life that I get to experience through being at that table instead? And so it's this opportunity to ask ourselves, where are we at, okay? Where are we at? And so it's like, it's this practice run of how to engage the rest of Proverbs and to understand it and to let it transform us. Because here's the thing, guys, we've got to be people that learn to be transformed by the word. We've got to let it speak into our lives. We've got to let it. It's like Spencer was doing such a good job last week when he was introducing this book called The Wisdom Pyramid by Brett McCracken. Uh, I, I recommend that book as well. I've read most of it, and it's a really, really good book. It's a really cool way to think about this stuff. But we have all gone to looking for things from um, cheap wisdom, but really what we need to be going to for so much of our wisdom is God's word because he's revealed himself. He's chosen to reveal himself through this book we carry around with us. And as such, we can go to it and it can unlock so much understanding and wise living on how to be a flourishing people who know how to live life the way God had first intended it. Okay? And so it's understanding that as we, as we work through and we meditate that we're letting God's word transform us. Um, so then I want to move into Folly's invitation. So uh, she says this. It says, the woman Folly is loud. She is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house. She takes a seat on the highest places in town, uh, calling those who pass by who are going straight on their way. Whoever is simple, let him turn in here. And to him who lacks sense, she says, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. And he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are all in the depths of Sheol. Okay, there's our anti-Hogwarts invitation. Boo, right? So I wanna, I wanna like, compare these. So remember when I said how, uh, how Lady Wisdom, she has, she has worked hard and prepared this wonderful meal for us? Uh, we can see here that Lady Folly is lazy and she's focused on comfort, okay? <laughs> so it says this, it says, uh, uh, woman Folly is loud, is seductive and knows nothing. She sits at the door of her house uh, and she takes a seat on the highest places of the town, calling to those who pass by. So she's just sitting there calling, comfortable in her nice lounge chair. Hey, come in here, Right? Very different approach to this party. Like, she's just kind of been like, she's kind of just sitting back. But she's everything that our sinful nature wants. Because she represents things like comfort and accessibility and simplicity and uh, these things in us that, it's the, it, again, I'm going to point back to Spencer's sermon last week. It's that whole concept of why we go to something like that's on our phones for all of our knowledge and information. Because it's just easy and simple and comfortable and accessible. Just, and a matter of fact, they all have algorithms on all of us to where like when you're on whatever feed you're on, they're gonna put in front of you what you wanna read. 
And every once in a while, they're going to put something in front of you you don't want to read, so you get mad, and then you keep reading. It's great. Like, they, they've just figured all this out. But that's, that's it's so, it's, it just feels comfortable. But man, it's so, so tricky. More and more, I hear, like, it's harder and harder for people to pick up things like books or to be encouraged by God's word and to spend time in it. It's like we've given so much stock to things that are really simple or comfortable or lazy to get access to for wisdom. And that should be a good clue to us that maybe we're listening a little bit more to Lady Folly's direction and the way she's prepared a feast than what's, um, what feast is truly laid out for us. So where, where Lady Wisdom built a, built a house, Folly just sits there and expects us all to be impressed. And that's, that's just an indication for us as to what kind of feast she's inviting us to. Um, a matter of fact, her feast is lacking in quality. So we see that she, um, she says that stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. So she's offering us this nice stolen water. Like she's not even paying the water bill, right? She's, she, she's, like, she's going to her neighbor and filling up bucks to water there and sneaking out the back door and bringing it over to her house and offering that, right? Secret bread, I'm not even sure what that means, but... Uh, it doesn't sound like it's super, like she makes it, tries to make it sound yummy. I would venture to guess it's not super yummy bread. I don't know. But he, <laughs> John said he'll explain later. Um, no, so what she's offering uh, lacks in the same quality and in, 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 in what is actually good for us, right? It's, it's not the meat and the wine that was mixed for us at Lady Wisdom's Feast. It is something that is going to degrade us. It is something that is stolen. It is something that is not beneficial to us. It's something that uh, we, we go to to look for. Uh, she offers a lot, but does not deliver on her secrets and her stolen things. That's just the nature of sin, isn't it? It tastes sweet at first, but it always delivers poor results. That's part of the nature of why we go to Folly's house is because uh, the nature of sin is that it, it has aspects that, that make us feel good or make us feel better. Uh, it tastes sweet, but it, it ends up being bitter as wormwood. Um, and then I want to point to where she speaks and lies in secret. So her, again, her, her water is stolen. Her bread is, is a secret bread. And she's trying to use seduction to bring in whoever will come along to go to her feast. And what she offers truly leads to death. She cannot deliver on her promises. They all fall short. But wisdom's promises all come true. This is where we have to ask ourselves, what feast do we want to be led to? What feast do we want to allow ourselves to become, to be a part of? Wisdom is dealing honestly with us, but folly is making glamorous promises that cannot come true. And then lastly, just in, in um, comparison and contrast here, uh, Lady Folly's invitation, her, her feast actually leads to death, but it's like a hidden death. It's like a trap. It's like once you go in that door, Death actually is there. She has skeletons in her closet, literally, right? She, uh, her path leads to death. It says, but he does not know that the dead are there and her guests are in the depths of Sheol. Um, and it's just like, man, it's just, we look at that and we see these, this, this difference, but 
Again, the reality is, is we do find ourselves at Folly's Feast often, right? And we have to ask ourselves, like, man, why do we, why do we go there? What is the deal? And I want to end today just with understanding that all of us, whether you are currently someone who has put your trust in Jesus Christ, you are invited to wisdom's feast. And if you, you have not accepted and surrendered your life and trusted in Jesus to be your savior, you're invited to this feast. Like you're invited to trust in Jesus and put your hope in him and understand that you are invited to the good feast and that we get to take that path joyfully because Jesus has set us free. I want to read this quote from uh, my main man, Charles Spurgeon. I like Charles Spurgeon. Yeah, someone else does too. Good job, you. Um, it says this, and it's, ah, it's so good. It says, the gate of mercy is opened, and over the door it is written, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all exception, that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. Between the word save and the next word sinners, there is no adjective. It does not say penitent sinners or awakened sinners, sensible sinners, grieving sinners, or alarmed sinners. No, it only says sinners. And I know this, that when I come, I come to Christ today. I dare not come as a conscious sinner or an awakened sinner, but I have come still as a sinner with nothing in my hands. The point that Spurgeon is trying to make is that none of us are uninvited to the feast that wisdom is holding for us. We are all invited through the person and work of our Savior, Jesus. He makes it possible. He not only makes it possible, matter of fact, every time we kind of think that we're showing up at the Follies Feast and we're there dead, we're actually like awoken. They're like, no, wake up, silly. You're at the good feast because you're here on my part with my invitation. And I'm forcing you to be here, buddy, because we do have life. Even when we fail, Jesus covers that sin. Even when we, it's, it, but it's, here's the idea though, is it through the freedom we have in Jesus, through his perfect invitation, that grace begets our desire to choose wisdom over and over again and to move away from folly. It's through his love he lavishes on us that we have a desire and a taste for the meat and the wine the wisdom has set out before us. It transforms us. And that's one of the ways we can know that we are being changed by God and his word and his, the, the good news of Jesus Christ is because we will start to be transformed from one glory of, degree of glory to the next, being transformed. And that's what we're called to be. And so just know, like, even if you find yourself sitting at that feast that Folly's at, your true self is already at wisdom feast because Jesus has set you there. He's invited you there. And all you got to do is recognize that you're not where you want to be and move towards wisdom's feast that you are all invited to, that we're all invited to. We do that through beautiful acts, like confession. Man, confession is such a beautiful act of us that, that we can lay our sins out there. We are so free from our sins that we can go to brothers and sisters. We can go to our spouse. We can go to our, our pastors, our friends, our home group leaders, and we can say, yo, I've been going to Lady Folly's dumb feast for too long and I'm sick and tired of it and I'm gonna show back up to Wisdom's Feast because dang it, I wanna live that life, amen? 
Like, let's be a people that learn how to confess our sins because guess what? They don't count against us anymore. Like, I don't care how gross you feel, how disgusting you feel, you're not too broken. We've all been there. We all do that. We all make the bad choices. We all make the poor decisions. But I want to promise you that you can be free from it. You can live a full life in who Jesus is and what he has called you to. It is so much better. It's so much freer. There's grace there. There's love there. There's acceptance there. There's mercy there. And I know people that have taken that journey. They've taken this offer up. They've said, I'm done with that, that Follies feast. I'm done with it. I'm gonna confess this stuff. I'm gonna repent of it. Repent of it just means turning away from it. Um, so, so turning away from whatever addiction or sin or thing that has brought you so low, you can turn away from it because Jesus can set you free. He is the great physician. He's the great healer. And he can call you out of your muck and your mire and the poor situation you've allowed yourself to get into and you can be set free. And so... Goodness, Taproot Church, as we end this series and we remember the two paths, that we can be at this fork in the road and we're in this choose your own adventure, I really, my hope is that we'd be a people that choose wisdom. We choose Jesus. We choose his free gift of grace. And we'd walk in that. And it would really, it would really play itself out in the way that we live and the way that we love one another and the way that we serve one another and the way that we, we, we confess sins and we repent and we, we move towards life. And that from here, disciples would be made. Disciples making disciples making disciples. And so thank you so much, Tapper Church, for the opportunity for us to be working through this whole series in Proverbs I want to encourage you as well to keep reading Proverbs and to do some of that meditative work of asking yourself, where am I at? How am I doing here? Is there greed that needs to be left behind? And what's the wise living that's not greedy? Do I, do I make finances an idol? Do I worship my finances? Do I worship um, my addiction? Do I worship other things besides the Lord? And how can I shift my attention to be worshiping the Lord Almighty? And so um, I just want to thank you, Tapper Church, for this time that we've been in Proverbs. It's been really sweet, and I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll have the band come back up, all right? Heavenly Father, thanks for this day, and thank you for your good word. I pray, Lord, that you would bless our time together as we continue to worship and sing your praises. Thank you so much for the book of Proverbs and uh, chapters one through nine, just as we've, we've worked through it and uh, intentionally just seen in what ways it can transform us and make us new things. Uh, I pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would be moving in and around and amongst us, and um, Lord, that you would um, continue to transform us from one degree to the next, that you would continue to help us to see areas where we're, we're not choosing the best way, but that, Lord, you would call us back to the better invitation. You would remind us of the better place where there's better food and there's a better, uh, better opportunity to know you and to make you known. Thank you for um, just this body of believers, Lord. And I pray that anyone that's here this morning that uh, is feeling any, any conviction about a sin or um, sins or just opportunities where they have chosen folly over wisdom, I pray that, God, you would set them free. And I pray for anybody here this morning that uh, is, is maybe hearing the gospel and hearing that 
Through Jesus, your son, we can be set free, that, Lord, you would be at work in them and just helping them to remember this moment and be transformed forever because your grace is good. And so, Lord, I just thank you for this, and it's in Jesus' name I pray, amen.